These rooms are soundproofed and smell-proofed, which is important when there's a McDonald's restaurant just a few feet away. Hello, I'm Mike Merrill, here with Zach Rose, and today we have our first twofer. The weirdest story in the history of McDonald's is so confounding that there are two separate case studies about it. In 2002, the Richard Ivey School of Business wrote up McDonald's and the hotel industry, and in 2005, the Thunderbird School of Global Management wrote McDonald's adventure in the hotel industry. The second of these case studies refers back to a hotel that opened in 2001 in Switzerland, which we'll talk about. But I think it's interesting that the Richard Ivey School immediately wrote a very broad case study and then a few years later, after what happened with that Switzerland hotel, we get the second case study. The Thunderbird case study is what we're going to get into today. And a brief side note, this is the worst scholarship I've ever seen in a PDF. This case study has the second footnote is a link to the McDonald's Wikipedia page. The third, or let me see, the fourth footnote it is a link to like amateur content with no author by the California Route 66 Association. My, I guess my question is like, is this actual research, does it need citations or is it intended to simulate a business situation where you have business colleagues footnoting Wikipedia? I think it's the latter. I think these are designed as discussion points and actually the limited amount of information is part of what will probably generate an interesting discussion in a graduate business program. On the other hand, the fact that these are not high school students but graduate students makes me think that they could do a little bit better than a cursory Wikipedia footnote in terms of the research about this stuff. Yeah, there's a sort of bravado about, never mind the specifics, it's the creativity and the strategy that matter. There was a focus on the novelty of the idea of McDonald's opening hotel, and then not quite as much research went into the development of the situation, probably because there's not that much out there. We played that clip at the beginning. There's only one video clip I could find online of any mention of the McDonald's Hotel. So it's mm -hmm. a known thing that happened in history, but it's usually just pointed at, laughed at, and moved on. So I was excited initially about the idea of taking it seriously, but even this taking it seriously is done with such brevity that we don't really get a lot of depth here. Right. And as we'll talk about, doesn't matter. That will be a question I have later in the podcast. So it's 1976, the bicentennial of the United States, and there are 142 McDonald's in Switzerland. Financial analysts are saying that the United States and Switzerland have reached saturation point. There is no demand for more McDonald's. That's wild. That's a what? year before I was born, and the financial analysts are saying, we've already given a burger to everyone who needs one. <laughs> Yeah. Corporations, sometimes they talk about having like a purpose, like that's the original intent of a corporation was not just to make money or become more valuable, but to pursue some interest. And it seems like when you've reached market saturation, you're good. You're done <laughs> to me. It seems as if McDonald's has to make revenue forecasts and they need to increase revenue to meet a percent growth, but it's unclear that's going to come from doing more of their existing business. And we're at a turning point in the United States as well as we enter into the 80s, where we're going to see a lot of massive corporate growth. And so in 1976, if they're saying there's no more demand for McDonald's, it was so bad that the Swiss CFO of McDonald's said that for every new McDonald's is just going to take customers from another McDonald's. So they can compete basically among themselves, but they can't sell any more burgers. They can just have more restaurants. That situation, like you said, it feels like, a, like an equilibrium has been reached. 
we're now at a point where we've done our job. And it's not to mm-hmm. say that McDonald's needs to go away, but why not just be like, great, we did it. Let's maintain this level of burger output. Everyone's happy. But I think capitalism demands growth. Right. And so you have to keep selling more. You and have so the question to... that we're presented with is more of what? And the numbers come first, the, is my takeaway here. That the growth, the revenue comes first, and everything you do as a corporation is to meet that somehow. It's not, they're no longer in the burger business for the burgers, if they ever were. They're in the money business, and they use burgers to get there. Let's play this clip. It's not the full clip. I've edited this down. But this is a quick history of the announcement and enthusiasm around the launch of the Golden Arch Hotel. The world's first McDonald's hotel. It's the brainchild of Urs Hammer, CEO of Swiss McDonald's. The design is, is one element that is very important. There's no Big Mac-shaped beds. But look at this headboard and check out the condiment curtains. The colors are ketchup, mustard, and pickles. For a businessman, uh, he needs to sleep well, uh, have all his uh, technical features there. The theme here, fast, fast, fast. With uh, high-speed uh, internet access, uh, you know, you have also your keyboard uh, to uh, access the internet or your emails. These rooms are soundproofed and smell-proofed, which is important when there's a McDonald's restaurant just a few feet away. In the mood for an after-dinner drink? Would you believe this McDonald's has a bar? It's known for a killer cocktail named, what else? Flaming Golden Arch. Their first reaction was uh, just stick to hamburgers. So McDonald's decides to embrace this diversification strategy. And following the Ray Kroc vision of empowering those on the front lines, the strategy is to let the local management develop new concepts that fit local conditions. In Germany, the idea was McDonald's brand ketchup in grocery stores. In countries like Portugal and Austria, it was opening McCafe, which we've talked about as the coffee bar concept that would be introduced into the US later next year. And we've talked about how McDonald's seems to use their international branches as a way to test things before bringing them globally. Enter Urs Hammer, the CEO of McDonald's Switzerland, a well-known public figure. He comes from a famous hotel family, and he decides, like any aggressive player of Monopoly, that hotels are the way forward. Hammer presents this idea of a McDonald's hotel to the corporate board back in Chicago, and surprisingly to me, he gets the green light. He's not only allowed to create a pilot project, but if it succeeds and expands, he'll manage the entire future global empire of the Golden Arch Hotels. And this is similar to McDonald's Canada guy who became McDonald's Russia guy. They, so you, the prize for winning one of these is tremendous riches. And the McCafe guy from Australia who actually ended up as the CEO of McDonald's. Yes, you do very well to succeed at one of these moonshot projects. So at the $26 million investment, they build a middle-class hotel near Zurich. It's 211 rooms and includes a 24-hour McDonald's. They invented a special luggage cart. They implemented a McDonald's-style crew training program where the staff were trained on all the hotel jobs. And they have this patented signature curve wall design that maybe resembles like a golden arch inside your room or something at least curvy and interesting. It's interesting how... Erst decided to do something a little bit disruptive with his hotel. What is that? This idea of self-check-in was super new. The idea that you could just go up with your credit card to these kiosks. The idea that there's no bellhop, that you just get essentially a 
luggage cart that they say was specially designed but looks like every luggage cart that you see at an airport and you have to bring your stuff up there when you look at this hotel it feels like an aloft hotel or some of those kind of like economy premium brands that are very much focused on the business traveler yeah they're obviously not trying to do a play place hotel or like this the family hospitality like holiday and type of thing at all and going back to that clip they talk about the concept is fast. And I think Urs is using this McDonald's philosophy of efficiency that we normally associate with McDonald's back of house. And he's bringing it to sort of the front of house and the entire concept of a hotel. And I'm not sure that efficiency is the primary exciting point of a hotel. It might not be, but I think he's really playing closely to finding something in the McDonald's ethos to build a hotel around. And I do believe that he is a frequent business traveler and probably has experienced a lot of the pain points of check-in, check-out, all of the different issues of having to tip bellhops and wait for your luggage and all that kind of thing. So I can see him solving his own problems as a frequent business traveler. It's funny you say that. He's solving his own problems and he's also following his family legacy of being a hotel family. This is very much about Urs Hammer to me. What does he himself want? Where does he come from? What does he himself think he knows how to do? And it's interesting that McDonald's buys into that. And they're not taking this, I don't think, as a sort of rational, gradual exploration of the hotel industry or anything too calculated. They're really making Urs Hammer invest his entire sort of being into this project. Yeah, it's a reputational bet for him. It's $26 million for McDonald's, and it's Urs's entire career is on the line. And we've talked about this in the past about what happens to executives who do well and then also ones who don't do well. And we'll see where this one goes. I would bet a lot of money that when Urs goes back to the Hammer family Christmas in Zurich, he's probably the richest of his siblings as the CEO of <laughs> McDonald's Switzerland. However, the prestige that comes with running a McDonald's empire versus running a fancy hotel in Switzerland, I bet there's a little bit of keeping up with the Hammers, the Joneses there. This feels like a way to show that he is more than just a burger boy. This is his second Gulf War. Yeah. He has his entire reputation as a Swiss businessman on the line here. He's no longer going to be a clown. So that's the backstory of Urs jumping into this using what he grew up knowing and his familiarity with the hotels and the business world, applying this McDonald's ethos. However, a lot of what happened is based on timing with mm -hmm. this hotel. Mm -hmm. And part of it was there was a massive expansion of hotels as well as new hotels coming up in Switzerland at this time. The Thunderbird case study lists that the Aerotel Rumlong, the Allegra Hotel, the Airport Hotel Glockbrug, the Movenpick Novotel. There were 17 new hotels in Zurich, as well as expansions and more being planned. And all of this competition was because Zurich hotels were hitting a point of saturation where they were all at incredibly high occupancy rates rising year over year. And so there was a flood of new hotel rooms coming into the market, which on the one hand seems like a great opportunity. On the other, seems like you're fighting now with a lot of established brands and a lot of excess space is about to be created. Yeah, it could be a bubble. And it seems like his bet is that becoming more efficient than the competing hotels, not necessarily having a better brand or anything particularly exciting about the hotels, but just running them cheaper because of sort of the IKEA model. 
Yeah, get in, get your business done, get out. It's much like the fast food model. We're going to create the drive-thru. We're going to make it as easy and quick to get your food as possible. We're going to make it as easy and quick to just get a comfortable bed. And again, with some innovations around one of the first hotels to have internet access and these web-based television terminals where you could actually check your email and things like that, there were some real changes that he was implementing that were very future-leaning. At the same time, 2001, 9-11 was about to happen and shut down a lot of global travel. There was a lot of things that were outside of his control that are going to impact what happens next. Meanwhile, the financial analysts covering McDonald's were not optimistic. They yeah. expressed confusion about staying in a McDonald's and also scoffed at the small size of the test market with no expectation it would impact the bottom line of the company at large. And I think that's a sign of McDonald's hedging their bet a little bit. They're putting this, what seems like a lot of money to us, $26 million, but for McDonald's is not very large. I think they initially planned two hotels, only one of which was up and operational. And Urs has this opportunity to lead this entirely new division of McDonald's, but McDonald's has already eased back on their commitment by not giving him the McDonald's name, which is why it's the Golden Arch Hotel, a McDonald's experience. And yeah, it just feels like they're being a little bit cautious. They're giving him an, enough rope to hang himself. But Urs Hammer was committed. He was a frequent traveler and he knew how to make it work. Automatic check-in, internet and wireless keyboards. Hammer pointed out that they had served 74 million customers in Switzerland while the population was just 7 million. So if only one in 1,000 of these customers choose their hotel, they'd be a massive success. It feels like an incredibly optimistic thing to say, especially knowing what happens next. Back at corporate, the response seemed to be an effort to avoid blame if and when this didn't work out. A U.S. spokesperson assured analysts that there was no plan for a widespread expansion and that, quote, each of the countries where we operate are free to unleash innovation and new ideas to develop the brand. It, which feels, again, like a, it feels like a Mission Impossible sort of disavowing of foreign agents. Absolutely. What happens in Switzerland will not impact what we do in Chicago. What happens in Zurich stays in Zurich. The responses from people that visited the hotel, that's actually one of my favorite parts of the Thunderbird case study, is that they talked to Nancy Stevens, a professor from Arizona who stayed in the hotel. And she said, the bar downstairs behind the lobby is cold and unwelcoming. The only bar snacks were chicken McNuggets and party mix. <laughs> It had the feel of a large, empty hotel. The only food available is McDonald's. And then she closed with, As I think about this hotel visit in retrospect, the entire feeling was one of oddity and discomfort. You have efficiency on one hand, but then you have personal service on the other. That's a hard thing to manage that we're actually seeing in a contemporary McDonald's environment as things move more digital. Yeah, it's interesting. We've talked about McDonald's as having a modernist ethos to the core about being efficient and like sort of content the hamburger over some fluffy experience around it it's interesting to see how that dovetails with the the modernism of switzerland or at least as i imagine it through their famous graphic design and i wonder if there's just like a little bit of a disconnect between that modernism and sort of the historic mcdonald's in a downtown european city yeah it even raises the question of who is this hotel for is it for american business travelers who want something familiar is it for european business travelers going to zurich who trust the mcdonald's brand to give them a hotel it's it could 
I could imagine like a McDonald's hotel in somewhere fun that you'd want to go to. It does feel like the focus on the business traveler is a little bit strange. McDonald's doesn't feel like a brand that is specifically targeting a businessman. One thing I wanted to mention was I do think Earth Hammer thought that the Swiss were going to be big users of the hotel, just based on that quote where he was mm -hmm. talking about their customers. But also, I assume that he thought that the European business traveler was going to be a frequent customer because he set that first one up at the airport. It is not a destination. No one's going, oh, let's I can't wait to go to the Zurich airport. That's a very, oh, well, I have to stay overnight for a flight, or it's a very convenience and efficiency-based kind of mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Moving towards the end of this case study, we know a lot of the reasons why it didn't work. And I think it's easy to assume that one of the major reasons it didn't work was because putting together McDonald's and a hotel, those two things were too far apart for most people. The historical lesson to learn is that the hotel doesn't work out. It's eventually closed. It becomes owned by a different brand. McDonald's leaves the hotel business, and this is no more. The link, goldenarchhotel.com, does still work. However, you need to type in HTTP colon slash. It's not a secure connection, but it will redirect you to the Radisson Hotel that has taken over this McDonald's hotel, the Golden Arch Hotel. In looking through the rooms, I noticed they have the same shower configuration that was complained about in one of the references that I read about this hotel, where they had these shower pods exposed to the rest of the room as a way to visually open up the bathroom and make the rooms feel bigger. But then the problem was, like, if two businessmen were staying at the hotel, you would have to shower in full view of anyone else you're sharing the room with, which also didn't work for families. I looked up the hotel on Google Maps satellite view, and you can see the McDonald's that they attached to this hotel is half the size of the hotel itself, a 221-room hotel. And it's still there and still operates as a McDonald's attached to this Radisson now, and it, I think, is still maintains the record of being the largest McDonald's in Switzerland. I think this failure has a lot to do with, first of all, it is not a scalable enterprise. That's what we're led to believe. In the way that they took the McCafe and they rolled that out through all these different countries, and it was able to, and we talked about this in the McCafe Canada episode, they were able to do a slight remodel of a McDonald's that didn't even require the closure of McDonald's and add an entirely new product line that really supercharged their breakfast offerings. Win-win. Very easy step to make. Huge upside. The launch of a hotel brand feels completely separate from anything to do with fast food. Oh, the core tenets of the company, efficiency and customer service and all these things relate. But there's no reason that a franchise operator of a McDonald's in Iowa is going to want to open or thinks that they should open a McDonald's branded hotel. Yeah, the supplier relationships are not the same. The real estate relationship is not the same. There's so many parts that are different than a McDonald's. That you it's have a heavily wonder. regulated industry and taxed entirely differently based on different countries. This was going to be a huge lift. Now, McDonald's is a massive company and could do a huge lift. I think it was a great attempt that was destined to fail, and that's okay. This is why I don't think it's a failure. I wonder. I think uh, I have no no problem saying it was a failure. It's no longer McDonald's Hotel, but, but I do but I do want to say though I want to argue with that a little bit because I think just because it failed as a venture doesn't mean it was a failure to 
attempt to make a $26 million bet on. Sure. We, we can all appreciate risky bets. Some of them pay off. A lot of them don't. But I think with this case, it's such a big step that you have to wonder what exactly did they learn from this not working out? They took this to learn, apparently, that there should never be a McDonald's hotel. How could it have worked is something that I was interested in as I was reading these case studies. Is there a version of this that could have worked? What what world events would have had to happen in order for a McDonald's hotel to be successful kind of situation? Sure. What if they had opened one in Taipei? Or what if they hadn't made it like a weird business travel thing, but put it conveniently in a place where you'd want to be. What if they had partnered with Radisson and said, we're going to open McDonald's attached to hotels? Sure. But I think all of these things are seemingly not sufficient because McDonald's never tries again. And the lesson I take away from that is that $26 million is nothing compared to the reputation of that one high-level hammer at McDonald's. And they're really looking for people to give it one big go. And if it's not an immediate massive success, then that's it. It's not a it's not a explore and learn thing. My suspicion is that Hammer went on to run Swiss McDonald's Corporation until he retired, probably joined the board, probably had a fine rest of his localized Switzerland career in the company. However, there is no mention of him that I can find anywhere on the internet that's not related to this bet that he made. <laughs> and so this idea that he was trying to expand the concept of McDonald's, especially for him into this thing that he was familiar with in hotels, ends up being, I assume, that's the thing he is most famous for is the failure of merging these two things together. That's got to be crushing. It's crushing to me that they don't take another stab at it. They're only in it for Urs Hammer to make one big go at it. They're not in it to really continue paying attention to the possibilities of McDonald's Hotel. Because what if the McCafe hadn't worked initially when it was being started in Australia? What if when they had put it into the first Canada stores, it hadn't been any kind of increase or they weren't able to compete against Tim Hortons and Duncan at the time? We're seeing a little bit of the McDonald's decision-making process of, okay, we're going to make a bet. What happens? It didn't work. Move on. You see them taking strategic gambles more than trying to approach anything. Yeah, and I think specifically enabling those gambles to be on the outskirts of the company, the far edge. I think what we're getting at is that there's like a legibility thing. If you're going to have a successful new thing at McDonald's, it needs to have a super obvious story about how it's a success and why it's a success and how it will be adopted by everyone else. They don't have the patience to sit there and tweak that because they're just looking for that one quick hit of immediate growth. It doesn't feel like a systematic approach to innovation. It doesn't feel like that's something that's built into the core DNA of McDonald's back in Chicago. And like, it's sort of like, why should it be? It's not their corporate, it's not genuinely part of their corporate charter or corporate reason for being. But it is if they believe that they've maxed out how many burgers they can sell. Going back to the idea that is there more, is there demand for more McDonald's? If yes, great, build more McDonald's. If not, what else can we do? And something happened. This is something I'm curious about that is not answered in this case study. And I don't actually know the answer to is what happened that McDonald's was able to break through that idea that, that there's no demand for more McDonald's. Something snapped and suddenly there was so much more demand for more McDonald's. 
That's interesting because the current strategy relies on making current customers more committed and bringing in new customers. We were in a space of McDonald's attempting to expand. Are they not now? I think what happened was they looked at expansion in terms of consolidation in the industry. They acquired Chipotle and then later spun it out. We talked about that with the hedge fund episode. And now we see them using technology and dynamic yield to increase the spend of their current customers as well as funneling new customers in. They are now in a demand generation phase for their products, but they are not looking to expand their footprint into areas outside of what is traditionally thought of as McDonald's. Yeah, I would also be curious to figure out when that changed. They're trying to give you more burgers faster, hoping that the faster you receive a burger, the sooner you'll want a new one. feels like the current strategy. (laughs) One of the last things I want to say about Urs Hammer is how he was potentially in line to be the CEO of McDonald's. Because when we look back to what was happening at the same time, that was around the same time that Charlie Bell was developing the McCafe concept, which expanded to the point that Charlie Bell actually became the CEO of McDonald's, having started in Australia. If the hotel plan had worked, it's very possible that Hammer could have taken the golden throne of CEO of the McDonald's empire. This is a great man theory of McDonald's history, I think. And it makes its own truth. That would be an interesting thing to explore, potentially, if we get picked up for a season two, is to look at the current hierarchy of McDonald's, as well as McDonald's USA, the separate kind of operating company, and really looking at where... Who's watching the throne? Who's yeah, watching who's the in throne? line? Who's trying to make moves? Who are the long shots? I think we'll get there with our next episode. Just stick to hamburgers.